Do you like aliens, UFOs, cryptids, and the supernatural? What about self-defecating humor? Uh, actually, it's self-deprecating humor. Well, you may both be right. Alien Theorist Theorizing is a comedy podcast that examines cases like Roswell, Bigfoot, or the Atacama Alien. If any of these topics pique your interest, subscribe to Alien Theorist Theorizing free anywhere you find podcasts or go to alientheorists.com. Hey, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome to That Trippy Show, where we try to explain a little bit about politics on this wild ride we've all been on. So thanks for listening, and thanks for all of you who've subscribed. And if you haven't, please do or hit follow on Spotify. It really helps, and it helps other people find us. Also, please write me a question in the reviews on iTunes, and I'll try to answer them on the air. Although we've gotten a couple of really good ones this time, and it's often hard to get to all of them. We're 88 days out from Election Day. Let's go. What have you got, Alex? Hey, Joe. So we're actually starting today with a question from a listener, because um, it's really what's on everyone's minds this week. Did you see that crazy interview Trump did on Axios with Jonathan Swan? Is there anybody who has not seen that? Yeah, well, we're not going to do the play-by-play on it, but I wanted to really ask you about how it's supposed to be used you know, strategically. Wait, wait. It wasn't you didn't ask that. Our listener did. A thousand Americans are dying a day. They are dying. That's true. And you ha- it is what it is. Take a look at some of these charts. We're lower than the world. Lower than we're the lower world. than what is that? Europe. Okay. Look, we're last, meaning we're first. Last? I don't know we what we're first. Best. You know, there are those that say you can test too much. You do know that. Who says that? Oh, just read Who? the manuals. Read the books. Manuals? Read the what books. Manuals? Read the books. So here's our question from listener Dan Rosen. And thanks for your question, Dan. Why doesn't Biden just run that interview on a loop as a campaign ad captioned with basically like, oh, come on, or asked another way, if you're Biden staff, what do you do with this? Well, it's it's already ubiquitous. I mean, it's all everywhere. There's no one who hasn't seen it. And and by the way, if the video of him talking about injecting bleach didn't cause you uh, the same kind of angst that this does. I'm not sure that this is going to do it either. Look, I love Jonathan Swan. Uh, he's really great. Should a, an amazing interview. But I don't think voters are really going to get moved uh, by this interview or by Biden focusing it on it. Um, I think you know, what you're about to see, I'm, I'm going to predict this, is that you're going to see a big swing now from Biden talking more about his narrative, his story, filling in the gaps, particularly as we get closer to the convention and at the convention. Um, a lot of us in politics who follow this all you know, know everything that, about Joe Biden and his career and, and the tragedy and the stories of his life. But a lot of Americans don't know the details. And I think you're gonna, that's the more important thing now is to let Trump keep doing this stuff. Start filling in the blanks for a lot of a lot of people who all they really know about Biden is the contrast with Trump. I think you're going to start seeing Biden fill in the story. And there was a great video they put out on the vetting process, uh, which had him driving around his car. Yeah, in the Corvette. And that's what I think it's more that filling in the contrast. Trump is going to keep doing this stuff, this, this crazy stuff he's going to keep doing. He's, he keeps that contrast going. There's no reason to keep pushing it out there. Occasionally, yes, but let this one ride on its own. It's already everywhere. Turn to the stuff 
uh, like the vetting process, get us uh, more into what Joe Biden's about, set up that into the contrast, your story, and, and what Biden's going to do to get us out of this mess. But one thing that I think a lot of people don't know about him is, is, is this idea or his capacity for empathy and his ability to no, they know, with people. No, a lot of people, like I said, people who really follow politics know, know the whole story. But Biden has a powerful story to tell, empathy, his connection to the middle class, uh, and his experience. Um, uh, and, and I think that's where you're going to see, I think the convention... So much of the attention over the last three, three and a half years has been driven constantly by Trump and his interruptions, his distractions. But I think we're going to see a period now, particularly going into the Democratic Convention, where the focus, even the press attention, uh, social media, everything's going to be um, moving towards Biden. And I think in that sense, right now becomes much more important about Biden showing that powerful story of empathy, his connection to the middle class, uh, growing, growing up hard scrabble, his dad, uh, his dad struggling to, to, to get, keep the, the family going. Um, all that is, I think people have seen some of it over the last, uh, you know, during the primary season. But I think now the focus is going to be on Biden. He has to take advantage of that and, and really build up his side of the contrast. I think that's what's going to keep the momentum going for Joe. Well, it seems like he's actually kind of gone out of his way to not do that too much yet. So are you thinking that the convention, as it, as it kind of rapidly approaches, is kind of that turning point for him as he switches gears? I'm not sure it's a turning point as, as well as much as a viable window. Um, part of the problem is, again, as I said, Trump drives everything. The press falls for it every time. Um, and um, uh, Biden now, I do think, has a window here uh, going into the convention from today forward as he releases uh, names as VP. We still don't know at this time who that's going to be. But as he does that, the tension is going to be more and more on Joe Biden's side of the equation. And I think instead of meeting that moment with more stuff about Trump and like the Jonathan Swan interview and playing that up, turn the corner, really open, use that window to open uh, people's eyes to the kind of leader uh, and where this leader came from um, that, it, that only Joe Biden can tell. Uh, it's quite an incredible story. Well, that kind of helps us get past one of the, the big concerns that it seems like everyone's asked every single day. There's a Trump scandal. There's a there's the Access Hollywood tape. There's this Swan interview where he just comes across so badly that in a normal campaign, it feels like that one moment, like on a debate stage in Iowa, might kind of kill a candidate. But it seems like nothing's been able to stick to this guy. Oh, no, plenty stuck to him. That's why he's sitting there. That's why Joe Biden has the lead that he that he has. There, it's all stuck. I just don't know that any more sticking to him is going to drive him a whole lot lower. Uh, when you're you, when you're down into the 30s on approval, and you're losing by 14 points, or you know even some of the best ones are eight. It's again, I think it's just to continue to do the contrast: chaos versus community. Uh, or stable leadership, whatever you want to call the Biden side of this, um, chaos versus unity. But Biden has, a, has, I think, a real capacity now to talk to some of those Republican suburban women, not about how bad Trump is. They figured that out. That's why they're looking over here. 
why Joe Biden for them, why it's worth coming across that aisle. I think there are a bunch of young Republican, younger Republicans and, and others uh, and independents who he's, he's opening up the lead on, but we need to open up that more. So, Joe, uh, it seems like it was this week when Joe Biden said he'd be letting people know who his vice president pick's going to be. By the time we're recording, we still don't know who it is. But Axios says it's down to two. Joe Biden was supposed to name his running mate on the Democratic presidential ticket this week, but the former vice president is pushing his decision back while he continues to vet candidates. Senator Kamala Harris certainly appears to be a major frontrunner. She checks all of the boxes when it comes to what the Biden campaign is looking for. Former National Security Advisor and U.N. Ambassador Susan Rice is apparently among those being considered. So we're down to Kamala Harris and Susan Rice, it seems like. Is this one of those cases, Joe, where if you know who the real finalist is, you're not saying it? Or, or do you think there's some truth to this? Well, I mean, a couple things. First of all, we'll never know if these were the two finalists. Uh, and you, you can't guess that today. But I, I would say this. Look, there probably there's a good chance this is being floated as the final two to do two things. Sort of sort of literally let the followers, the, the big supporters, the, the net root supporters of the other possibilities um, sort of let them down slowly. You know, hey, there were five, now there's two. My person's not on it. I'm disappointed. But now between these two, who do I want? And now people start to gravitate to Kamala uh, or, or Susan Rice. I mean, that's one uh, likely possibility that it's just they're sort of floating it out there on purpose to to sort of settle everybody down and make them focus on who the likely choice is going to be. Um, of if it is these two, uh, if it actually is between uh, Harris and uh, and Rice, and I, I'm not saying that it is, but if it is, then you know Kamala really has uh, a lot going for her in that choice because I think one of the bigger advantages that she has is that she has run the gauntlet of a presidential nomination fight and lost, but she's run that gauntlet. The pressure, the press scrutiny. Um, the, you know, people uh, question you constantly. Uh, Susan Rice has never really been through that. I mean, certainly uh, it, there have been hearings that she's been involved in and things like that, but not the day-to-day-to-day-to-day gauntlet that a presidential primary race uh, uh, puts a candidate through. So assuming they both have uh, a strong vetting that's gone on and assuming um, – that it's really down to these two and, and that that means Biden is comfortable with either one of them helping him govern. Then you start to look at what breaks that up. And I think uh, there's a good chance that um, Kamala Harris, who could help move things through Congress and the Senate, and as well as been has run that gauntlet that I talked about, um, that would make me, um, if I were advising him, um, point in that direction. We're hearing that I think there was a report out this week that Rice is actually getting kind of a bounce from people saying that the Obamas are going to be more excited about her and therefore campaign harder for for her. Are you buying that at all? Uh, no, I, I think I think that's kind of like ridiculous. Uh, the Obamas are going and Barack Obama is going to do everything he can to get Joe Biden elected president of the United States and to think, well, no, he's going to do two less trips to Michigan or or five less uh, fundraisers because, oh, I, I wanted Susan Rice, but Joe Biden picked Kamala uh, or whoever. 
I just think is is just ridiculous. He, his legacy, to a large extent, um, given how much Trump is trying to tear down everything that Obama did, including uh, the Affordable Care Act uh, and other things, it depends on Democrats winning the presidency and Joe Biden being in the White House. It just does. So uh, I don't see... Barack Obama pulling any punches because, uh, he, he, first of all, he's a real adult. One of the, you know, we're talking about somebody who was an adult as president. He knows how important this is. He's going to give it everything he can to help Joe Biden get there. Joe, to follow up on the Obama idea, the one other thing you've been hearing is he's been kind of above the fray a lot in the last couple of years. He's, he's tried pretty hard to not hit Trump too hard, despite, like you said, Trump basically tearing down his whole legacy. How far do you see Barack Obama going this cycle? I think he will do anything he can that helps. I mean, whatever the Biden campaign wants him to do or asks for his help on, uh, if there's a way for him to do it, I think he'll do it. Um, I don't I, I don't just think him. I think uh, there's a good chance you're going to see uh, people like John Kasich, maybe even uh, George W. Bush, um, out there, um, uh, not as voiceless and not as hard as Obama, but I do think that there's a chance that Biden can actually pull in not just the Obamas, but others out there that can really make a difference, um, attract some of the, the more moderate Republicans to the Democratic uh, side. I think this is, you know, I, I've said this before, but I really think this could be a realigning um, election because of Trump's failure um, to handle all the, all these crises and uh, to see how many Republicans I see out there that are looking over at the Democrats for the first time in their lives and actually thinking of doing it. So uh, I think he'll do whatever he can. Well, and then you've got, you, you talked about realigning. The Democrats are kind of looking at realigning too. When you look at a candidate like Harris, and obviously she sputtered out right before Iowa um, with a bunch of reports like she couldn't manage her staff. But, you know, you look at a nominee choice like Harris, she's obviously still a rising star. She's viewed by many as the future of the party. You know, are any of the concerns about her valid for Biden? What, that she couldn't manage her staff? Yeah. He, first of all, when, they, when, when a VP nominee gets picked, I can tell you, you know, in a presidential campaign, it, it, her people are not going to be running her side of the, the, the campaign. It, they'll put um, Biden staff... Who, who they have faith in and believe in and trust from the Biden side will be will be running the the day to day of of her side of the campaign. And, and that, that doesn't mean she won't have people traveling with her who have been on who've been with her and on her staff. But but the fundamental block and tackling of the vice presidential campaign operation does not get just handed off. I don't think they'll be worried about that at all. And that's never the worry. Um, so I think this, again, gets down to is that he ha- that he's comfortable with the person that he picks being capable of helping him govern uh, in office. I think that's how he feels the role he fulfilled with Obama. So it's likely to be the same. So assuming it's down to two, I'm sure both of them have saw, you know, cut, cut through that. Um, and so... Like I said, I don't think this is going to be... I mean, look, what kind of campaign staff has Susan Rice ever had? It may well be who could um, survive a day-to-day 
um, the day-to-day pressure of the presidential race. And on that front, Kamala's got a couple of checks um, in her corner that Susan Rice doesn't. Sure. So, Joe, before we move on, I want to go back to something you kind of just snuck in right before you were talking about the VP vetting. Did I hear you actually say that George W. Bush might actually help campaign for Joe Biden? I don't I don't know about campaign, but I, I think he, yeah, I actually think he we could see him endorse uh, Joe Biden. I wouldn't be shocked to see that happen. I'm not saying it's going to. I'm just saying I think there are people out there, uh, as we've seen with Governor Kasich uh, and uh, others, that are going to to think long and hard about breaking across partisan lines to support Joe Biden. And I think we may be, it, it won't just, that's what I'm saying, this isn't just going to be Obama out there for partisan reasons, campaigning his heart out for his vice president. I think the, there, there is a, the contrast between four more years of Trump and what um, and how important it is for Joe Biden to win this thing, uh, to bring, to unite the country, to turn away from the chaos, um, is so strong that, uh, one, I think Obama will do everything he can, but I also think we'll be surprised by others who will do what they can. And I think it's potentially, it, I, I would not be surprised at all if, um, if President Bush um, endorsed or voted or you know said I'm voting I can't almost the same thing that we saw with uh, Shelby and uh, uh, Doug Jones Alex down in Alabama where Shelby just said I I can't vote for uh, Roy Moore and I'm gonna write in the name of some other honorable Republican um, I think we're gonna see some of that uh, when it comes to Trump and, and Joe Biden in November so it came up again this week. Trump keeps trying to delegitimize mail-in voting, talking about fraud, despite basically he and his entire inner circle voting absentee themselves. Trump is staying focused on his re-election campaign. Today, he revised his effort to discredit voting by mail. This president is doing everything he can to undermine your confidence in American democracy. One thing is the idea that if too many people vote, right, like if everyone can vote safely, the Republicans are gonna lose, which is a theme of Trump and itself a kind of incredible admission. So Joe, as we get closer to election day, people are really starting to ask, what if on election night, if Biden's up and it's close, Trump starts saying the election's rigged or fraudulent and, and basically the, the country starts kind of falling apart. I got to ask you, man, can you talk us off the ledge here or are people paying attention to this? Are the right people paying attention to this? Well, I, look, the, the Biden people are paying attention to it and they're going to throw everything uh, at it uh, from monitoring to lawyers to the whole whole thing. But look, there's there's only one thing any of the rest of us, for the most part, can do. Uh, and that is work. So Biden wins big. Look, the, the you can't. All the stuff that they're messing around with, voter suppression, um, absentee ballots, mail ballots, all of, it, it, it works. And you can do things when it's a close race like 2016 was. Um, and we can all argue about which mistakes the Clinton campaign made or what did they do to, to get the 11,000 votes in, you know, in, in a state. But the reality is if Biden wins by 10 points— there is nothing they can do. 
And that's what, and by the way, if he wins by 10 points, it's not going to be three Senate seats either. It's going to be seven or it, you know, could be six, seven uh, Senate seats. So the, the key I think is, yeah, they have to be organized on election day. They need a communication strategy for this, but it, it, they it's about winning uh, big. And that's where all everybody um, can help here, whether it's getting involved in the Biden campaign, sending money, organizing, uh, joining one of the Senate campaigns out there. But it's what can we do now to keep this momentum going, to keep building on this lead, to and if not build on the lead, hold it where it's at. Because if you hold it where it's at, you, you got 300 electoral uh, college votes easy, well over that probably. And so that's where I think um, the focus needs to be the 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 legal entanglements, um, the the job, the suppressing voting suppression that's going on. There are groups out there. You can help them. They're on top of this. Uh, I don't think there's any way they're going to, um, you know, miss a beat here. But the, the question is, if it's if it's t- within two points, you don't have to miss a beat. It's just tough. You never know when one of those states is going to slip out of your grasp if it's that tight a race. The the best defense against all this stuff that people are are worried about against the delegitimizing of the election. Yeah, when it's two points and he says they messed with it and they stole it from me, that's one thing. If it's twelve points, I I don't know if that many people are going to believe him. And not only that, if it's twelve points. There are not going to be that many Republicans left in Washington who will defend him because a good chunk of them will be on the curb and out of office. And the rest of them will have lost their fear of the guy. Um, So I think that's the whole thing here right now is to understand, yeah, there is something you can do. Get in, get an oar in the water. I know people are paddling like crazy out there, but don't, you know, worrying is not a helpful thing. You can worry and worry and worry and wring your hands. It doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do the campaign any good. It doesn't do defeating Trump any good. Taking action, doing something, actually helping build this, that's what's important. Get involved. I mean, I know, sorry, get off my uh, soapbox here, but I do think we have a chance to realign the country right now. We have a chance to really break this guy with a big, solid win and that's what we need to fight for that's what's at stake if we do that that's how you end trumpism um if it's a close election where he can say it's rigged and he goes off and starts trump tv after he loses he'll i keep telling my republican friends this he won't be going anywhere there's only one way that's really puncture the balloon well, NBC is even more optimistic than you are. I think they've got Biden somewhere around 334. They've got Georgia, Iowa, Texas's toss-ups. I mean, this could really break for Biden in a big way. Yeah, I saw that. They came out today with their uh, with their uh, map, and um, and you know they but they've got like Michigan and as a lean Democratic uh, state. And right now, I you know said last week I'd make it likely a Democratic state uh, for him. But e- either way. They have them at 334. What's important about uh, we're starting to see the map crystallize as to what the strategy is going to be for the Biden campaign. They have Arizona, Florida, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin in the lean D 
lean Biden category. So right there is 122 electoral votes. And then you've got Georgia, Iowa, Ohio, and Texas, as you said, Alex, that are toss-ups. Well, those are the 14 states, my friends. I mean, if you're the Biden campaign, that's where you're going to fight. And you're going to make Trump fight for every single one of them. Trump's got a real problem. I mean, a real problem here. And that gets to that winning it big. If, if, you, win, if you win these states... Um, and go over 300 electoral votes, you're also going to carry a lot of the Senate rate, close Senate races that are out there right now where Democrats are ahead uh, in many of them. So um, I think, you know, we need we can win uh, the eight or nine seats in the Senate. I really think that's possible. How do we help make that landslide happen? Well, it, if you look at who's buying where, both on the IE side and from the campaigns, it's pretty clear they're fighting in Arizona, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And it seems like they're not just fighting with TV ads and digital and the door knocking right now. I know I know Trump's doing some door knocking right now. They're also kind of doing something that we might not have expected, but it seems like Republicans are trying to get a second egomaniac on the ballot, especially in Wisconsin. New questions arise tonight about whether some Republicans are helping Kanye West get on the ballot. The New York Times is also reporting on a handful of Republican aides in other states working to get Kanye West on the ballot. In the absence of any other notable uh, spoiler candidates, Republicans are obviously pinning their hopes on Kanye West to siphon off enough votes to squeeze Donald Trump through. Joe, I know you've been around to see just about everything, but does this surprise you at all? No, not at all. I mean, it's it's a little sophomoric, uh, the way the Republicans evidently and the Trump uh, strategists think about race, et cetera, thinking, you know, we'll, we'll get Kanye on the ballot. That'll hurt Biden. I'm not sure. that could, it, Kanye might hurt Trump um, uh, with, with with his following and maybe people who, who, who've supported Trump as he has. Um, but let's take it at face value. No, I'm not surprised at all that they would try to do this. Uh, this is a this is fairly pretty common thing, actually, uh, uh, sad to say, uh, in our politics where, um, you know, often you're hoping someone else can get in to siphon votes off the, the, the person you have to beat. Bob Casey uh, I did his campaign for governor of Pennsylvania. I did the TV, was working on the TV. There were three times when um, another Bob Casey was on the ballot and won office because people thought he it was him. I mean, in other words, he was so well-liked and well-known, name ID-wise, that you could get a Bob Casey on the ballot and would win without any any money being spent or a campaign being waged because everybody thought it was Bob, this Bob Casey. Uh, in, in 1978, I remember uh, uh, a Robert P. Casey, he was a, a teacher and an ice cream parlor owner uh, who, who went on to win the party's nomination for lieutenant governor. So these kind of games about people getting on ballots, campaigns or parties, Actually, trying to get people on ballots happens quite a bit. And we, by the way, we saw this earlier. P- many of us were hopeful. I mean, we heard maybe uh, Amash would run as a libertarian, or maybe uh, you, rumors that maybe Governor Kasich would run as an independent or, 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 or a Republican. You know, a lot of us might have sent them $10 if they had done it um, or encouraged them to run. Um, why? Because, well, if that's going to take a few percentage 
votes off of uh, off of Trump uh, and make it better for Biden. I'm for that. The problem with a lot of that kind of thinking, though, is, well, maybe Kasich would take more votes in Ohio, uh, moderate votes that would have gone to Biden away from Biden than he does take votes away from Trump. The same with Justin Amash. Uh, So, you know, they don't go. Uh, But in this case, the Trump uh, campaign, uh, it looks like, given who's involved, has decided that hey, maybe Kanye can get uh, a few points away from Joe, Joe Biden, which again points to two things. One, it takes a lot of effort and money to get an independent on the ballot in these states. So it's not going to be Kanye. It's going to have to be Trump operatives and, and party operatives helping him to do it with lots of backing. Um, one, and I'm not, not saying they can pull that off, but if they do, okay. What can you do about it? Again, win big. We win by 10 points. It doesn't matter if Kanye can get a point or two. If it's a two-point race, it may matter a whole lot. So it gets back to the mantra of this podcast. Yes, there's things we need to worry about. But there's one way to demolish all those worries, and and it's sitting right in front of us. We have a candidate who's up by 8, 10, 12 points. He's up in key states by five, six, seven points. Keep that going. Stop the worrying. Start the action taking. I mean, when you wake up in the morning and you're feeling down about everything that's going on, um, I think the, re- the thing that can turn your thinking around is to remember, win big. Win big's our mantra. That's what it has to be. Thanks for listening to That Trippy Show. Um, I really hope you'll tell your friends um, to take a listen. And please send us a question in the reviews on iTunes. Uh, we don't get to all of them, but some of them are really thought-provoking and get me going. If you could give us five stars while you're there, I'd really appreciate that too. And I promise, as always, Alex will be sharper next time. Thanks a lot, Alex. See you next Thanks, time. Joe. When you're struggling with your mental health, the world can seem pretty heavy, like no one understands what you're feeling or you're not sure how to ask for help. But here's the real truth. You're never in this alone. 988 Lifeline's trained crisis counselors are available 24-7 to offer the help and support you need to make it through. No judgment, no stigma, just someone to listen. Text or call 988-SUICIDE-IN-CRISIS-LIFELINE, day or night. 988. Hope has a new number.